Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. This is Professor Shy Guy. I sing, play guitar solos, and make chip tunes, and you're listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap, and this episode of Nerdy Show is some new and relatively uncharted territory. We don't talk about anime or Japanese culture much on the Nerdy Show podcast. We usually leave that to the professionals over at Wicked Anime, who put out awesome podcasts and videos here on the Nerdy Show network. So, uh, one of the unique aspects of this episode is that I'm going to talk about anime and such. Uh, but also, this episode is archiving a special interview I did over at Nerdy FM. If you haven't caught word, Nerdy.fm is our 24-7 streaming nerd music radio station. If you like nerdy music of all sorts, then you're going to want to make sure that you check that out. We don't just do awesome curated playlists of music there, we also do special events like album debuts and listening parties. Last month, we debuted the new EP from Mouth's Cradle, a nerdy rap act that has operated on the periphery of the world of nerdcore for some time. Mouth's Cradle's always been different from the usual nerdcore fare, but this new EP, Sakura, is very special in the world of nerd music in that it takes on a genre that few, if any, nerd recording artists have attempted. English-language covers of anime themes and J-pop songs. For this special album debut on Nerdy FM, I spoke with Kevin Hegedus, the mouth behind Mouth's Cradle, and we went through the EP track by track, stopping along the way to talk about anime, Pokemon, the strange world of J-pop, his collaboration with Everything is Terrible, and a lot more. So, this episode of Nerdy Show not only compiles Kevin and I's chat, but includes clips from the interview that didn't make it into the stream version on Nerdy FM. So get ready for an awesome interview, stick around afterwards for some community updates, and if you're on the fence about any of the aforementioned topics of this episode, don't sweat it. I'm a novice too in a lot of ways and uh, had a great time doing the interview. In fact, with March being almost a, a, a barrage of incredible interviews, this is one of my favorites. So no more dilly-dallying. Here's my chat with Kevin Hegedus of Mouth's Cradle. Hey, what's up? I have so many names. It's tough to keep track sometimes, to be honest. I'm the Prince Jellyfish, you know, the Dark Prince of the Sea. I'm Young Crybaby, the youngest crybaby. I've been Malfi. I've been Kevin Malfidus. So, you know, it's just all evolving. Your previous records have been predominantly rap records. Now, this brand new EP, the first since 2012, is pretty much pop songs. Yeah, it's funny. For 2012 and 2013, I just was really into making rap mixtapes. I started the project Young Crybaby and... I used that new personality to explore my interest in rap because at the time that was just about all I was listening to. 
But something that has always fascinated me about artists I like is people who sound totally different from record to record. You know, it's like you you never know what they're going to do next. So I just really enjoy, you know, that shocking feeling of you get used to me doing one thing and then you hear the new album and it's totally different. One of the things that makes Sakura so unique is that it's actually a collection of J-pop covers, some of them theme songs from anime. Yeah, as my music tastes are evolving, you know, so my influences are evolving. And I spent, like I said, about two years listening to nothing but rap. And now it just very suddenly all I want to listen to is pop. But very specifically, I've been into a lot of artists who uh, who happen to be Japanese. And so, you know, it's funny, it didn't it didn't start out that way. I was just going to cover pop songs like I was going to cover a Carly Rae Jepsen song and do all sorts of things. But then the ones that stuck ended up all being J-pop songs. And I thought that was a really lovely theme that held everything together on the album. Yeah, it definitely sets it apart from pretty much everything else. Well, everything else on Nerdy FM for sure. And honestly, I've never heard of anybody doing an English language J-pop cover record. You know, thank you. I I know Andrew WK did something similar. I, I don't know. I haven't heard the full record, so I don't know if he's saying in English or Japanese. But that's pretty much the only reference point I could find. Um, and I didn't. I hadn't even heard that when I started this project. So yeah, going into it, I, I thought it was it was something kind of unique and. You know, really, it was just a way for me to pay homage to my influences. And also, I just really wanted to practice production. And I thought there was no better way to get some good skills in by trying to imitate my producing idols. Probably my favorite producer at the moment is Nakata Yasutaka, who writes all of the songs for some of my favorite artists um, like Perfume and Kiari Pamu Pamu and Capsule. I, I just really wanted to emulate his skills and try to grow as a producer myself. That's really advantageous. Yeah, well, thanks. You know, I went to music school and I used to learn about composers. And I know that some composers, in order to learn and get better at what they did, was they would actually just sit down next to scores of their idols and just copy the notes, note for note. And in doing that, kind of, you know, took in some of the power of that composition. So that's kind of what I wanted to try to do with this album. Showcasing the feel behind Sakura. Here's the first track, Sakura Kiss. Kiss, kiss, fall in love. I watch you go You never seem to leave me though So is this love or hate will see You're making me crazy Inside my dreams you're all I see Well all I see is you and me Lady maybe or host I find I really don't mind If I had to choose a rose In this garden of romance Maybe we could take this chance Maybe you're my love And I would like to find A hand like yours to take mine And with one kiss We could stop time And i fall in love with you Tomorrow's far away Let's place our hope in today Just you and me In a beautiful spring and we'll always fall in love again Maybe you're my love Kiss, kiss, fall in love Kiss, kiss, fall in love Maybe you're my love Kiss, kiss, fall in love Maybe you're my love, and I'm my life's 
What you just heard was Sakura Kiss, the first track from the album. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's the theme song from an anime. Yes, it is. It is the theme song from one of my favorite animes, which is Uran High School House Club. Highly recommended if you want something cute and fun and lighthearted. That's my favorite type of anime. Is I like the really cute stuff. <laughs> I've heard that that particular anime is, uh, it's in a way, uh, a parody of its own genre. Yeah, it definitely seems like it is. There's all these times during the anime where it breaks the fourth wall and, you know, references itself and makes fun of, of anime devices in general. And it's really fun in that respect, but it's cool because it's not just about that. It also has a really addictive plot. I love the show for that reason. There's so many levels on which you can appreciate it. So the second track on the record, Cherry Bonbon, bon, which you released as a single earlier in the year, it's a cover of Kiari Pamu Pamu, who you've been really into lately. That is for sure. In fact, I might consider her my favorite musician. I haven't been going to too many concerts lately, but it's funny. The last big concert I went to was Kiari Pamu Pamu, and the next concert I'm going to is Kiari Pamu Pamu. Going to her concert last year kind of started this album for me. Like I was just watching her on stage, and I don't know. It was really emotional for me. I just, I just saw her doing her thing on stage, and I was like, that's what I want to do. Exactly. The lyrics to this song... In the original version, she she sings Cherry Bon Bon, but, uh, yes. but most of the lyrics are in Japanese. So with most of this album, I assume that translating it has been an interesting process, because even if you translate the words and the meanings exactly, they're still not going to have the same lyrical quality to work for English listening ears. Yes, that's correct. The, the translation, I did not do myself. I do not speak much Japanese, only a very basic understanding. A lot of times I relied on collaborations, especially like people I met online who would do fan translations. And they would translate, like you said, they would translate it pretty literally for what it meant in English. And that was nice because you get a feel for the song. But, you know, you're absolutely right. I wanted something that would not only convey the meaning of the original song, but would also be attractive to listen to from, you know, an English language, poetic, lyric point of view, you know. So I tried to as best as I could preserve the mood and meaning of the original lyrics. But I also in many times had to drastically change the wording so it would fit like the syllables of the line or fit, you know, the, the rhyme scheme that I was going for. One of the things that I think is strongest about Cherry Bonbon, bon, and that maybe this is expressive of much of Japanese pop songs, but there are some really kind of uh, haunting and insightful lyrics in there. It's got all the hooks of a, of a traditional pop song, but some of the verses, they're kind of dark, and uh, there's a lot of room to contemplate what they might even mean. I agree with that. And I mean, whether or not it's representative of of Japanese pop as a whole, it's certainly representative of Kyari Pami Pamu's work. I just feel a lot of kinship with her, even though I I look up to her in so many ways. I mean, I aspire to her level. I definitely don't think I'm there yet. But one thing I've always felt a kinship with her is how she combines happy and dark. It comes across even if you just look at a picture of her in her fashion or watch her music videos, you know, it's like the borderline between cute and disturbing. And those two aesthetics, I don't know, that's something in in all the art I like. I mean, it's funny, like even the movies or TV shows I watch, my favorite things are, you know, on one hand, the cutesy things like Uran High School Host Club. And on the other hand, horror movies, you know, I'm just really obsessed with uh, with horror, gore, psychologically disturbing movies. So that polarity has always been a big influence for me. What are some of your uh, key influences from the horror genre? And then we'll talk about from the pop music genre. Man, I, well, let me see. The, the last good horror movie I saw was The Reanimator. I thought it was just incredible. That movie also combines like cute and dark. It just, it has these comic moments, but it also just has these moments of intense gore that's almost too much to handle. 
And I just I just love the the difference between those two elements. These are not exactly horror movies, although they might be to some people, but I'm a huge fan of the director Harmony Corinne and his movies are definitely not horror, but they absolutely have some some very disturbing elements sometimes. One of my favorite movies is Trash Humpers, which I think is like, it's funny, that's like a calm me down movie. Like I used to watch it every night before I went to bed, but I always forget that. And whenever I try to show it to people there, some people are really disturbed by it. So I don't know. I've never heard of Trash Humpers, but that that is an incredible title. I named myself after it. My Tumblr is uh, trashhumperdink.tumblr.com. So, you know, that's, yeah, that's my, that's my homage to Harmony Corinne. Yeah, I've never actually seen any of his films, but Spring Breakers came really highly recommended to me, and I'm excited to watch it soon. Oh, yeah. I need to echo that recommendation for you. It has got to be my favorite film of 2013. Like, I've watched it so many times since I saw it in theaters. It's just really spoke to me. What about pop music? Who are your influences who also skirt that line between cute and uh, thoughtful or or dark? A, A big influence for me who... I still don't know, like, is, is Kiara my favorite musician? Is this person my favorite musician? But that would probably be M.I.A. I just think that she is really cool because even if you think about her most famous song, which is Paper Planes, you know, that song was got so popular. It's really catchy. But I mean, the chorus is just outright one of the most violent things you'll hear when it gets played at the club, you know, even among other hip hop music that has themes of violence in it. I mean, that song is just straight up about murdering you and taking your money, but it's so happy and catchy. And I I honestly cannot believe it got as popular as it did. But M.I.A. was my favorite musician even before that song. I loved her albums, Arular and Kala. And then um, her album that just came out in 2013, which is Matangi, that was absolutely one of my favorite records of the year. It's actually um, my number two record of 2013 behind Kiari Pami Pami's record, Nanda Collection, that came out last year. Mm -hmm. Recently, via just an accidental Tumblr post, I got into this Japanese pop artist named uh, Jun Togawa. I don't know Jun Togawa. She was in this kind of like proto-punk group in the late 70s, early 80s, and then struck out on her own. And uh, she was in the first wave of like J-pop idols, but because she had this punk background, she like subverted the whole thing. That sounds awesome. She's an incredible artist and she's got some very complex thoughts. I think she's actually like a little bit disturbed. She's attempted suicide a number of times. She's like out of touch with her body. She relates to insects more than people and... Oh my gosh, that sounds really like, compelling art. I don't know if you know, I'm really obsessed with insects at the moment. So if there's, a lot of, <laughs> if there's a lot of uh, themes of like insects in her work, then I need to hear it. Yeah, no, that's that's what she's she's all about. There's a quote that I'm going to like horribly mangle, but something about her having gone to like an insect house as a kid and, and feeling like she for the first time she could really relate to something because their bodies were so segmented. And she's tried to like represent that in some of her performances by putting on a cyborg arm to have the same sort of exoskeletal appearance. Wow, that sounds awesome. She's really fucking cool. And uh, her biggest song from the 80s is this track called Suki Suki Dai Suki, which has a hook that's just very straight up. I love you, J-pop BS. But all the lyrics are very intense. It's about like loving someone so much you mutilate yourself or them. And like, it's actually quite, wow. it's quite dark, like much of the J-pop that you were exploring. I have to, I just, I wrote down all of that, what you were saying. So I'm definitely going <laughs> to check that out. I think like, um, I don't know, that just sounds exactly like an artist that was, that was made for me to enjoy, especially with the insect thing. I've just been so into bugs lately. I don't know. They're mysterious and eternal. What's yeah, that's for sure. Like? And also, like I said, how I just really into things that like creep me out. Like a lot of my favorite art or my favorite concepts in general, it was stuff that kind of scared me when I was a kid. 
but because it scared me, I was so attracted to it in this weird way. And then, you know, I start like watching it more and more. And then all of a sudden I love it. And the same thing happened with insects. Like I thought they were horrifying. And then I just kept looking at pictures of them and all that. And now I just, I just am so obsessed with insects. So who knows? <laughs> There's a newer uh, Japanese pop group who kind of reminds me of what you were saying about combining like punk with pop brand new idol society or sometimes they just go by bis no periods just just looks like this you know they're they're a five-member girl group but they are doing what you described like they they're like a punk idol group like they do pretty conventional performances but they were like nude in a video which was really controversial and they they do these concerts where they like throw chicken on trails i don't know it, it sounds it sounds gimmicky when i describe it but all i'm trying to get across is like yeah, they're definitely an idol group but at the same time they have this like you know real punk ethos to them and it just comes across and i mean the songs are just really beautiful that's the key of it you know gimmicks are none and you can just tell that they're they're coming from a really like punk place when they're singing so kevin you've been uh, you've been shooting a web series called prince jellyfish Mm-hmm. I have big plans for it. I, I, I want to make that a focus if I can, although it's just me doing literally everything. So I'm limited by that resource. In your first episode, you recommended the anime Princess Jellyfish. Oh, yeah. And I followed you up on that recommendation. And I'm about uh, six episodes in and I love it. It is so oh, I'm good. glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, that man, I, I had eyed up that anime for a while. I just remember I saw its box somewhere in a store and I was like, I got to check that out. And then it, it was out on Netflix recently and I thought this is the perfect opportunity. So, oh man, that that really spoke to me. So I had to, you know, pick a name and, and name my show after it. The themes in that show are just uh, just really important to me. You know, there's the themes of acceptance of LGBT people, which is really important to me. There's themes of fashion, you know, themes of entrepreneurship and just trying to make your way in the world. And just all those things really spoke to me. I think uh, the nerd audience in general, it's got a lot there. I mean, it's about a house of otaku women who are all completely eccentric and so focused on certain minutiae, like be it trains, random old men, and jellyfish, of course. Oh, yeah. And that that was really what stuck out to me because, I mean, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, but you know that feeling when you're just going off for minutes and minutes, like trying to explain to someone how much you love Kyari Pomi Pomi, and like five <laughs> minutes in, you're like, what am I doing? Does anyone care other than me? So I don't know. I really related to those characters because I just saw a lot of myself in them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me, me too, actually. Uh, so consider that a second recommendation for Princess Jellyfish. It is all on Netflix in both English and Japanese, though. I I tried both, and I realized that I uh, am definitely more into the Japanese voice cast than the uh, dubbing. Yeah, I only listened to the Japanese voice cast of what was on Netflix, but it was really good. I mean, it was really uh, fast-paced. Like, there's all these characters talking over each other. So as a a non-Japanese speaker, sometimes it was tough for me to keep track of, even with subtitles. But at the same time, it was... uh, Yeah, I really liked the voice cast. The next track is called Heavy Rotation. What can you tell us about it? Heavy Rotation, it is an English version of a song originally sung in Japanese by the pop supergroup AKB48. As far as I know, Heavy Rotation is one of the most popular pop songs in Japan. I know that for a while it was, I don't know if it still is, but I think at one point it had the most YouTube views of of any Japanese artist, you know? And that band is pretty remarkable to me. I I think at at one point, if not currently, they have like 86 members in the group, um, which is just something. I remember when I found out about them a while ago and I I was just so struck by that because... 
it, it seems like in America, more than five people in a group is like, oh, we can't handle that. But I don't know. Why not have more people? It just makes more sense. You know what I mean? More dancers, more singing, more personalities. So my goals are after I retire doing, you know, my own pop music written for myself, I want to start like an 80 member group and uh, and be the head of it. So and write songs for and do things like that. So those are definitely my plans after Mount's Cradle, whenever that happens. I think it might be that touring is such a part of the American music experience, and it's so hard mm-hmm. to tour with that many people. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, If I'm not mistaken, um, and again, my resources for learning about these groups are all in English. They're not in original Japanese. So I sometimes wonder if I'm, I'm getting all the right information. But if I'm not mistaken, this group, AKB48, they have their own theater, and they do like daily performances in it. So, I mean, that eliminates the touring aspect, I guess. They have yeah. their own dedicated theater. I'll say, wow. The only American group I can think of that's uh, in, in recent time that's had any kind of a, a huge cast is Polyphonic Spree, and even they have paired back since they originally started. Oh, yeah. I used to listen to them. They had like 20-some members. I thought that was really novel at the time when I first heard them. Novelty is something that's really important to me, honestly, when I'm listening to music. I think the word novelty has dirty connotations, but novelty is something that when someone's doing something like that, you know, they have 20 members in a group or 80 members in a group, I just can't help but be like, wow, I got to hear what that sounds like. And that's a really good gateway for me to to getting into a new uh, artist. Nerdy artists are definitely more open to the idea of novelty. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it generally, it just means you're, you're clever. You know, you came up with something no one else did. No reason yeah. you should get held against you. I agree. I think that accusing someone of novelty a lot of ways is just to saying, you know, stop being different. <laughs> and I want to do that. I think, you know, we should all strive to be as unique as possible, at least in our art. That track, Heavy Rotation, I was blown away when I first heard it. Oh, thank you, Cap. You mentioned earlier that it's one of the most popular pop songs in Japan, and it's easy to see why. I checked out the original, and uh, I mean, a lot of the the lyrics are actually in English, so I assume this is probably one of the, the easier lyrical translations to accomplish. Yeah, that's for sure. And I've always, you know, really enjoyed that about listening to, you know, like Japanese or Korean pop music. There'll be these moments of English in it, and that's easy to, to hook me in as an English speaker. But it was cool. I, I actually really enjoyed the the challenge of, you know, maintaining the theme of the translated Japanese lyrics into English, but also preserving the English when it was used and trying to make that all cohesive. So that was really fun for me. It's a song that's easy to see why it's as popular as it is. It's perfect for radio. It's perfect for having a good time. It's loud. It's punchy. It's something absolutely anybody can relate to. And I agree. I hope that uh, when people hear your version, they'll get just as into it for English audiences as Japan did for Japanese audiences. I know that's quite a stretch, but man, it's good. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, again, that's another reason uh, I chose to cover that song, because like I said, I'm trying to learn about producing. And one, I love that song. And two, you know, as popular as that song got, I just kind of want to I want to tap into that power and see if it can reach a lot of people who hear it. And um, I was just really inspired by that song because it definitely has a modern sound, but it also reminded me of some of my favorite 1960s pop music, like, you know, Phil Spector produced like Wall of Sound pop music. And that was something like I grew up on 60s pop. So even though I listen to more like contemporary pop and hip hop now, I feel like I'll always have that background in 60s pop that's going to guide the music I make. 
you can really hear the wall of sound influence in in your rendition. It's got such a, a heavy bassy back to it. Well, I, I did it from what I learned reading about Phil Spector, where he would have like eight cellos playing at once in the studio. So I recorded like five tracks of me playing drum set. And I don't even know how many tracks of me singing there. There's got to be, you know, at least 80 tracks or something like that. Wow. Um, I just I love I just love layering myself like that to create big noises. Let's talk about your past records a little bit, your rap records, of which there are kind of three and a half, I guess. Yeah, you could say that. You've got a distinct, very surrealist nerd rap style. You've never subscribed, as far as I know, you never subscribed to any of like a, a specific nomenclature or subgenre. You're just doing your... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thing, it's very distinctive, and uh, I was wondering what your influences were. I don't know. I think what informed my rap style or just my lyrical style in general was both rappers and songwriters. And I think that like a few different ways of, uh, of writing lyrics informs what I do. I mean, I'm always growing and evolving, but I kind of formed my lyrical style when I was first starting out. And at the time, I'd say the two artists who I was listening to the most that informed my lyrics were um, the songwriter and harpist Joanna Newsom, as well as the rapper MF Doom who, you know, is uh, is well known for his rather surreal lyrics and his kind of like nerdcore influences, you could say. I mean, he has that whole like comic book element to his rhymes, which has been really inspirational to me. I never quite subscribed myself into a particular genre because it's so much fun to jump around to, to different styles. I can tell that a lot of people come to my music from a nerdcore background. And I love that, although I don't know if I could necessarily say I'm a nerdcore artist. I think that there's all sorts of different influences. You know, certainly there's that nerdcore element, but also not. I mean, there's there's just too much other stuff. But I've always been really interested in like the way words sound together. Like, I feel like rather than focusing on like, what is this song going to mean? I'm kind of focusing on how are the lyrics going to sound? And I feel like when you put two very different words together, you kind of create your own meaning in your mind. So that's been a big focus of mine when I'm writing lyrics. Something that's interesting to me is that um, you're from Pennsylvania. That's correct. Yeah, Allentown, Pennsylvania. And the only other rap group that I could compare to your work is also from Pennsylvania, Grand Buffet. Oh, Grand Buffet. My friend really likes them, but to be honest, I've never heard a record of theirs. Do you recommend them? I highly recommend them. We play them on Nerdy FM. They started sort of a surrealist, cartoony rap music with nerdy elements um, before there was ever a defined nerd rap genre of any sort. Um, no way. And they're from my area? They're from uh, Pittsburgh. Oh, that's so cool. So I'm figuring, like, with you guys both coming from Pennsylvania, there must be some kind of... Uh, 
you know, collective consciousness element there making this sort of thing happen with you guys producing like <laughs> very different, very original music, but also the closest similarities to each other in the same place? I don't know what it is. If it's a Pennsylvania thing, I feel like I don't know what informs a lot of I can only really speak for my city, you know, my friends, the, the artists I've encountered here. But I think what informs us is being within close enough range to uh, bigger cities like Philadelphia and New York, but still kind of feeling like we're in our own world, you know, feeling very separate from culture that's happening in cities around us. So I feel like, you know, even though we have influences within a reach, we're still very much just trying to combine everything that we've heard, whether it's, you know, whether it's internet or in the communities around us and just coming up with our own distinct sound that way. The next track on the record is called Innocence, and uh, I'm actually not familiar with the background of this track. Where does it come from? It is a cover of a song by Hatsune Miku, who is a very popular pop artist, but unique in the fact that she is not a real person. She is a vocaloid pop singer, which means that her voice is entirely generated by software, and you can, um, you can program her with different lyrics and melodies and actually have her sing songs that way. She will do live performances as a hologram with a live band. So it's like liking a cartoon, but also liking a pop singer, you know, and that theme between like virtual and reality is very prevalent on this album, um, you know, the Sakura album. And um, I thought that this track was a really good way to uh, to get that theme across. Yeah, I'd actually I'd heard of her before. I didn't realize this is one of her tracks that makes the lyrics make so much sense now. Oh, gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, I was so fascinated by Vocaloids when I got like initiated into that world this year just by, you know, discovering that on the Internet. And man, it's just so fascinating because it's so human, but it's just outside of humanity. And man, it's, it's really exciting to listen to it. Puppy Cat of Being Puppy Cat is also a Vocaloid, I recently found out. Oh, cool. I don't know. Are those, are those musicians? Being Puppy Cat is an uh, animated series that uh, was a one-off on YouTube created by Natasha Algieri, who's um, one of the women behind Adventure Time. And oh, gotcha. She, that sounds awesome. It, it's, dude, you'll love it. It's uh, some of the, the best aspects of anime, lots of Hayao Miyazaki influences combined into one really great show. And it was recently kickstarted with a ton of money. So they're getting like a full 12 episode series. It's cool to see the internet democratizing art like that, you know? Exactly. Now let's talk about Pokemon. Yeah, let's. <laughs> I just downloaded um, the Game Boy emulator for iOS, and now all I'm playing is Pokemon Silver all day. <laughs> Pokemon's got to be one of the most frequently referenced pop culture things in your music. It's got to be. I mean, you know, as many people my age or my generation or whatever you want to say, I'm sure would agree with me. You know, Pokemon just hit us at a really important developmental time in our lives. And that combined with it being just like a, a huge, expansive world and really fun gameplay, it just took off. I mean, you know, we all we all have our stories of Pokemon cards being banned on the playground and, you know, all this stuff. So there's something about it that has really spoken to to a lot of my generation. And it's just carried over as a huge influence of mine. I always tell people Pokemon is real life. <laughs> it's <laughs> real life stuff so you know don't mess with it you know that that's real life stuff who's your favorite starter you know traditionally i start with the water type but when i restarted silver this last round i chose uh chikorita just because i don't know very cute really <laughs> <laughs> right now i would say my favorite video game of all time is animal crossing you can just like go at your own pace and do whatever side quests or you know what you want to do 
I, I just love that freedom in a video game. Do you find that um, you start to form personal relationships with characters in Animal Crossing, even though they're just kind of leading you on effectively? <laughs> I Oh, man. It's like yes and no. I think it's it, it, on one hand, yeah, like I get so emotionally involved in the world. But on the other hand, it's fun to just like hold no emotional attachment for the game, even though, you know, it's <laughs> trying to get your emotional attachment. Like it's fun to wander through this unbelievably cute world of Animal Crossing and like, you know, be cynical about the whole experience. I just think it's like a really fun, uh, you know, hypocrisy. <laughs> <laughs> So this album, it's got five tracks and then a remix. So we're yeah. on the last track before the, the remix tacked on at the end there. This is mm-hmm. uh, The Two of Us Are Always Forgetting, featuring Andy Hegedus. Mm-hmm. That's my sister. She's uh, making her recorded music debut. She's a very good... I'm more of the music person. She's more of the art person. You know, she, she makes a lot of amazing art and crafts. But we've both always had a huge interest in music. And so I'm excited to debut her on my record. This track's also from an anime, am I correct? Yes, um, this is from an anime I chose specifically because it was important to Andy and myself. It's the anime School Rumble, which is another, you know, very cute anime, high school setting, themes of growing up and uh, relationships. But um, the two main characters of the show are two sisters. And in the second season of School Rumble, the ending theme is the two sisters singing a duet with each other, just about growing up, being siblings. And so... That's what this song is about. You know, we took the roles of the two sisters and we're singing them to each other. That's really cool. The song actually also uh, effectively bookends the EP. You um, you bring in some themes from the previous tracks. Yeah, that was my first time doing that. I've always really loved, you know, like I have somewhat of a background in classical music because I went to music school and I'm just interested in that. And I mean, one of my favorite things about symphonies or operas or, or just that type of music is how things would recapitulate. And in, in that ending section, you know, you would get to kind of relive some of your favorite moments of the opening of the work. So I've always wanted to try that on a pop album. And I finally had the opportunity to do it with this one. So I'm really proud of it. The last track here, it's a remix of Innocence, the Nightcore mix. What does that mean? Well, Nightcore is a dance style, which I mean, it, it truly means as, as far as my understanding of the genre is taking the original track, speeding it up and, and in doing so pitch shifting it. So the vocals and instruments are higher and playing it back. You know, it's just about increasing the energy of a song by speeding it up and, you know, therefore making it just faster and higher and more fun. Honestly, I prefer on even on my own album, I prefer the Nightcore version of Innocence to the, the regular version. I just think it was meant to be sped up. And that's how I want people to experience it. So I've searched Nightcore and I'm seeing some definitely anime influenced images here. Uh, the whole album is J-pop influences Nightcore Japanese specifically, or is it an international remixing style? You know, I wish I could speak to it more, but I really don't know. I want to say it's kind of it's kind of like an internet style, you know, and that and that would make it maybe more global. A lot of the nightcore I've experienced has all been through YouTube users making their own nightcore remixes. One thing I do know about nightcore is it's like a user made remix genre. It's not necessarily like an artist driven genre. So it's it's about taking songs that already exist in one form and having, you know, the consumers of the song making them faster. That really appealed to me. It's a remix style, but in the hands of the listeners rather than the hands of the artist necessarily. Before we conclude, I want to talk a little bit more about your back catalog. The record that got me into listening to you in the first place was an EP you did called Mouth's Cradle is Terrible. 
you, you took songs that were featured in Everything is Terrible's video remixes and fleshed them out into full-blown songs and raps. Yes, that was a really important project for us. Um, at the time, Mouse Cradle was a duo. My very good friend Brandon Lynn and I produced that album together. And we were so interested by the work of Everything is Terrible. At the time, we didn't know them. We just were getting really into video remixes. And so it was our idea to contact Everything is Terrible, get permission to use their, you know, their already remixed work and then remix <laughs> it further. Right. And that was a re- ended up being a really important album for me because I got to meet the Everything is Terrible people and they continue to be my friends and, and kind of mentors, you know, like they, they're really encouraging me to keep going. And we have hopefully some collaborative things in, in the future, too. So their work is really important to me. You've done some rap albums. Now you've done a J-pop cover album. What's next? Do you have plans beyond Sakura? Oh, I definitely do. In fact, I already started working on my next album because I just, I don't know, I can't stay in one place. I have to keep going. And um, I don't want to say too much about like title, although I do have already have like title and song titles and everything picked. But I can say it is going to have a huge techno influence. It's going to be really upbeat, like way too fast songs. And I've just been listening to a lot of techno and happy hardcore that kind of jumped out of my J-pop influence, you know. And so I I can't wait to make just a super hyper album that will blow everyone away. (laughs) Hey, Kevin, where can folks find you online? Mouse Cradle PA. That's my Twitter. That's my Facebook name. That's my Tumblr name. So PA is for Pennsylvania. Just search for me on all that stuff and you're absolutely going to get my album. Yeah, you absolutely should. And uh, pick up the other ones as well, because you can't go wrong. Hopefully you've been hearing Mouse Cradle's tracks on Nerdy FM these past couple months. And you'll certainly be hearing more of Sakura in rotation. In heavy rotation, you might say. <laughs> Throwing the AKB. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Cap. Honestly, it was really fun. I'm um, just getting to talk about my record, all the influences that went into it. There was a lot of things on my mind as I was making the record, so I'm really appreciative of having a forum where I could discuss that with you. Hey, what we want to do at Nerdy Show and Nerdy FM the most is make sure that everybody gets to connect with awesome music and the people behind that awesome music. And thus concludes my hangout with Kevin from Mouth's Cradle. So March was a busy month, huh? Wow, we had so much. It was it was RPG month, so we had two great episodes where we talked with cool people who do stuff with role-playing themed media like the band Chamber Band and the creative team behind the comic book Rat Queens. And we also talked with some of the presenters who are going to be at this year's Moogfest, which is happening this month, starting April 23rd. We talked with David X. Cohen, the executive producer of Futurama. Mark Fraunfelder of Wired, Make, and Boing Boing, Claire Evans of the band Yacht, who recently rebooted the sci-fi magazine Omni, and Neil Harbison, the world's first government-recognized cyborg. So all that awesome mess happened. Uh, Also, there was Megacon, our our panel for Megacon, Potions, Proton Packs, and Pokeballs, Adventures in Tabletop RPG Podcasting, is going to be on YouTube soon, so keep an eye peeled for uh, when that link goes up on our YouTube channel, Nerdy Show Live. And of course, last month was our RPG support drive. The Nerdy Show Network is entirely listener-supported, so Nerdy FM, all the podcasts, all that jazz, that's entirely up to you, the listener, to support via your generous contributions, and anything at all, even a dollar, gets you a metric shit ton of cool stuff sent to your email with new things every single month. Last month was special because in addition to getting all that stuff, you could also bid on the next RPG system we'd play in a one-shot podcast. It was an intense battle with every initial stretch goal broken. You guys raised $874, and that is amazing because it costs $300 a month for the network to operate bare bones, and then anything extra pours back into making the network even better. 
So anytime we go over, that's a very, very good thing. And that means that not only will Nerdy Show continue to exist, but Nerdy Show will continue to grow and keep doing cool things. The winner of the 2014 RPG Support Drive is Star Wreck. It's a Star Trek parody where as your characters gain levels, they get dumber. And that alone raised $306. Thanks to M. Garrier, Joshua Mayer, Bryce Harris, Anduin, Jeffrey Voss, Barry I, Cassie Muldrow, and Kevin Wise. Tailing just behind it at $283 was Shadowrun. Supported by Josh Thompson, Pestilence, Tolan, Red Ion, Durafago, Joe Barda, Tyler Conrad, Sage Zero, and Hugh O'Donnell. You can go to our RPG Support Drive page to see what the final numbers were for all the different systems that were in the running. But right now, it's time we gave some shoutouts and read some messages from the cool people who made that Support Drive such a success. M said, You know, I don't donate that often, and I really feel I should get to decide what everyone else listens to. So I'm Koch brosing this vote. Hopefully this will put Starrek back in the lead. And it did. Tolan said, For Shadowrun. Honestly, I don't even care who wins at this point. No matter what happens, one of my favorite choices will win. But that doesn't mean I won't go down swinging. Kevin Weiss said, Five bucks! Put it on Starrek. But next time around, I'm voting for Mass Effect. I want to see John science everything. But if you want to hear John science everything, well, last month, all those Moogfest podcasts were, well, I recorded them with John as a co-host. And he's our SciTech correspondent, and uh, it's been a while since he got to talk SciTech, and, and man, we've got uh, practically an episode's worth of deleted SciTech content from all those collective Moogfest episodes. So that is what you get if you support Nerdy Show this month. That's the brand new perk. And the stretch goal is at $600. If you guys make that, then you'll get to see a step-by-step process as I create the cover art for the upcoming second issue of our Dungeons & Doritos comic. Uh, This month is just a generic vanilla support drive with no added bells and whistles like an RPG contest, but we're looking to expand our video content, and most of the equipment that we use for things like Nerdy Show Live or the recent Greg Weissman-a-thon where we watched about eight hours of animated television shows with Gargoyles and Spectacular Spider-Man and Young Justice creator Greg Weissman which was super cool, and if you're there, thanks so much for joining us for that, because that was another fan-funded thing, and it it was fantastic. Most of that equipment that we use is borrowed. Nerdy Show owns a lot of audio equipment thanks to you guys, but we don't own much video equipment. So as we continue to produce more video content, we want to try to be able to do all that in-house. It'll enable us to produce things quicker and better. We don't have our specific goals for that finalized yet, like a, a list of equipment and how much it'll cost. But as soon as that information becomes available, we'll post it online and you'll see the total that we're working towards beyond our baseline monthly support goal. In April so far, we've had two contributions from two awesome people, Joshua Martinez and Elizabeth Parkhurst. This week, April 12th, we're going to be doing a special Nerdy Show Live performance at Space Coast Nerd Fest in Merritt Island, Florida. At 1 p.m., we're doing a panel with George Lowe, the voice of Space Ghost. It's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. If you can come see us live, please do. And if not, well, certainly it must be destined for the internet. That's all for this episode of Nerdy Show. Thank you so much for listening. If you dug all this anime talk, you should definitely check out Wicked Anime, our anime podcast and video series on the Nerdy Show Network. I haven't followed anime much since, like, the early mid-90s, but these guys, they've been doing a good job of, like, getting me back into anime. It's only very recently that I've spent time with more than a few Miyazaki films, and Wicked Anime has been a huge contributor to that because they've got great opinions and they're really funny, so you should check them out. Even if anime is not your thing, it's a great show. 
Taking us out, we have what's probably my favorite track from Sakura. This is the song originally done by that uh, gigantic ensemble band, AKB48, lovingly reproduced with Phil Spector-esque splendor by Mouse Cradle. This is Heavy Rotation. I want you, I want you, I need you, I need you, I love you, and I crave your music. Play that song again, I want it tattooed on my mind. Heavy rotation. Popcorn popping, you pop into my head At the most inconvenient times, yes you do You sing my favorite song, I keep it on my lips Boy I am so attached to you, it scares me Just thinking of your face and voice I get a rush, it's enough Get me through the day I want you I want you I need you I need you I love you If I ever met you I would try to speak But you would take my breath away Maku To high tension I want you I want you I need you I need you, I love you Cross my heart, I swear that You will dance with me and we will sing this song again Heavy rotation In my entire life, I never fell in love I thought it wasn't meant for me not for me If I could only once Play in the game of love I would be grateful for the chance to try it To think my one and only wish is coming true I could dance in circles round my room I feel you, I feel you, I touch you, I touch you, I hold you But it's just my pillow Dreaming every night that I could make you come to life With my imagination I feel you, I feel you, I touch you, I touch you, I hold you what is this emotion? My old TV show became a music video Heavy rotation I am always listening to my favorite song Is it time? Turn on something new, yeah, yeah, yeah But nothing hits me quite the same since I listened for the first time I play it cool, but I cannot deny I want you, I want you
episode well i've got some sexy secret things to tell you uh not really too secret i do say them at the end of every episode but if you liked what you heard it is imperative that you follow my every word first i want to thank you for listening to nerdy show as listener supported entertainment we rely on you to keep this and other shows in the nerdy show network alive by telling a friend rating and reviewing us on itunes shopping at nerdyshow.com store or most importantly by directly donating to the network any size contribution gets you exclusive nerdy show outtakes, dramatic readings, images, and other crazy stuff and lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com support to chip in. But if you really want to level up, find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other nerdy show programming. Just visit nerdyshow.com sponsorships. For more episodes of Nerdy Show, as well as other fine programs, community forums, videos, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show podcasts via the iTunes store, and for the latest news, follow us on all your favorite social networks. So to recap, tell a friend, donate to the show, and connect with the entire Nerdy Show network crew online. We're glad to be your home for authentic nerdy entertainment. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.